What is the role of policy in an information governance program? Hello, thank you for joining us. This is What Counts, a podcast created by Trailblazer Consulting. Here, we highlight proven solutions developed through our experience working with companies across various industries, and we talk about how you can apply these solutions to your company. We share our experience solving information management challenges, like creating and implementing a records retention schedule, creating an asset hierarchy, or helping with email management. This is Lee, and in this episode, Moore and I will talk about the evolution of policy as it pertains to information governance programs. Maura, this is a kind of a cool subject. It gives us a little history, gives us a little bit of guidance. So what is the evolution of policy? How, how have policies kind of changed as it pertains to the information governance program? I knew you'd be excited about this topic, Lee, because I think you've brought up policy in about half of our episodes so far. Um, as we're talking about one thing, you'll say, but what about the policy? But what about the policy? And I know a few times I've been like, hold on to that thought, we're gonna get there. <laughs> so today's the day, and we're gonna start talking about the policy side of this. And I think from a history perspective that policies have become more practical in the recent, in recent years, as well as more complex. So what does that mean? If you think back to when records were paper, documents were all in paper and records were in paper, records were also pretty easy to grab onto. You knew, here's the memo that we wrote this down. Here's the invoice. Here's the purchase order. It was all it discrete, individual pieces of paper or groups of paper. We could grab onto them. We could file them. We could label them. So the policies were very concrete too. How long do we keep this paper? Who has access to it? Where do we put it? But today... Most of our information is kind of hidden from view. You can't grab onto a record in a database. You can't grab onto a collection of data that you've pulled together through some data, you know, business intelligence tool or reporting tool or data analytics tool because you're pulling data from all different parts of your company. It's much slipperier, <laughs> more slippery. Um, and and if you try to apply those same principles that were built into the policies when everything was concrete, it becomes very heavy, very heavy handed. And you'll end up with things like, well, we said these records were vital and therefore we should have copies of them. So we should make multiple copies of all of these databases and keep them all over the place. Well, okay, kind of the principle is still right. The reason that we said these records were vital is we didn't want to lose access to them. But access used to be based on location. You had to be in the office with the filing cabinet that had the papers in it. And so in the event of an emergency, you needed a second stash of those same papers, a, a real hard copy that you could get to if you couldn't get into your building. In the world of cloud-based storage, that becomes a little bit less meaningful. You can access 
data stored in the cloud, you can access it from anywhere if you have the right credentials and the right software or portal that gives you that access to it. So sure, it's still important to back that up and protect it and make sure that that server is, that data is accessible, but it's a very different approach. Now it's a system-driven disaster recovery, make sure the whole cloud is redundant and has sufficient backup capabilities to it, not focused in on this set of records is vital, we need to make copies, or that database is vital, we need to make copies. It's just a different way of looking at it. Similarly, when you had very discrete buckets of records, you could put very detailed retention requirements on them. And you ended up with a retention schedule for a typical company that may have had thousands of record categories because everything was separated into its smallest component to make the filing easier, to make the labeling easier, because your filing actually and your retention schedule were all part of helping you find the right information. Moving into the electronic space, you don't need to use your record categories that way because you have metadata, you have search tools, you have much greater access to the information. So you can group things together in bigger buckets this is a, you know, a buzzword that's been out there for a while, but basically you're grouping things together intuitively. This is all the information that we need to perform this business process. This is all the information that makes up the record of what we've done. And if we want to find a specific piece of information, we have all these tools in terms of tagging and searching and full text indexing to find what we need. So the record schedule, the retention schedule, our record categories don't need to be that granular. So I'm kind of talking about some of the policies and how they've changed in this introduction here. But basically we're going from policies that were focused on individual records, individual pieces of paper that were very concrete and easy to grab, to having to change our approach to policy to handle this explosion of information, this distribution of information in the cloud, as well as the increase we have in tool sets and, and our ability to really interact with our data. It's a different place to be. I totally agree. And what I'm hearing is, is that paper was so much easier. And in a sense, it was. The, the life cycle way back when, whenever you want to say it was, you had creation, you had maintenance, you had storage, you had disposition. And that piece of paper walked the path, straight path across all of those items, went into a box, went into storage, and you called it back when it was time to dispose of that particular piece of paper and you threw it in the shredder. So now you're talking about this massive web, spider web of information and path that a, that a document or data follows, right? And trying to apply policies to all of those different components that house some pieces of this data. It becomes much more complex, absolutely. You're absolutely right. It was so much easier in paper and... So what, do we, so what does that mean for us as information management professionals? And what I think that 
we've been evolving at Trailblazer over the past few years and what we've seen really work with our, our clients is, okay, let's go back to the reason that some of these policies were created initially. And if we think about that purpose for each of the policies, then we can come up with the right answers of how to apply those, those same principles in this new world. So you had you know, a basic purpose around your retention schedule was to make sure that you were keeping your records for the right amount of time in order to demonstrate compliance with any laws or regulations that you were subject to, in order to support your financial obligations, either the obligations that you had to your customers and your shareholders and your partners or the government, the IRS, um, as well as any financial obligations that your customers, your shareholders, your partners had to you. So you had to keep your financial records long enough to do that. You had to keep your um, safety records long enough to be to be sure that you were operating in a safe manner. And you had to keep your operating records for the right amount of time to make sure that your operations were going to continue and be sustainable. So those principles are still real. They are still true. We just need different ways to apply those principles in the records retention schedule to this dispersed and dispersed and interwoven and integrated web of information. So I was I just want to interrupt because you keep you keep talking about a records retention schedule. And maybe there are people out there that don't really see the records retention schedule as a policy. And so I just want to comment to people that, yes, the records retention schedule is a list of record categories and it lists a trigger and it lists the disposition time frame for those record categories, right? But it together, that list or the, all, of all those items becomes your records retention schedule policy for your company, right? You can have guidance documents around it in terms of a records management policy that says uh, the company owns all of the documents here in the United States and you must abide by the records retention schedule. But I just wanted to be clear that it is a policy. Some people may not look at it that way. Thanks for the reminder. I actually think from, a, from the IG perspective, the records retention schedule continues to be possibly the most important policy in your IG program. And you're right though, be calling it a schedule makes it sound more tactical and less policy driven. So good point. Some of those supporting documents, if you think about them, you might have a data protection or data privacy or information classification policy that's kind of a, a complement to your retention schedule. And that's become really important in the past few years as information has been so widely shared and available on all these cloud servers and distributed servers, and therefore more vulnerable to hacking and theft and breaches. And so it used to be back to that paper world. If you had something that was really sensitive, you locked it up in a file cabinet or in a vault. It's where you kept your your personnel files, it's where you kept your, you know, trade secret files, it's where you kept your land records, your deeds. But in the information age, when all of our information is electronic and it's out there, you have to protect it in different ways. So identifying 
your data sets by their level of classification or their level of sensitivity means that you can focus your IT resources on the most vulnerable and most high value or high risk data. And so your information classification policy helps fine tune that application of IT resources against your information. I think another complementary policy that um, you might hear about is a legal hold policy. So there are rules around, we are in a litigious society in some ways, and there are a lot of rules around if you think you have litigation coming um, or you've been served notice that you are in, involved in a litigation or an audit or some other formal process, there are consequences to destroying information inadvertently. You want to be able to say, no, we've preserved everything that we were supposed to preserve. So your legal hold policy says in the event of an imminent or current litigation audit or other formal process, preserve all the copies of all the relevant information. That's an easy thing to say, but practically speaking in the electronic age, that becomes a much harder thing to do. You have to know where all that information is. How is it organized? How many copies of it are there? Are there any automated, you know, kind of time-based roll-offs that are going to happen that might destroy something in the ordinary course of business that you have to suspend? Your retention schedule, when it was all focused on paper and labeling things, guided you right to it. Your retention schedule is part of that process now with your legal hold policy, but you also need kind of an information map or you need that metadata that we've been talking about a couple of different times. You know, where is this stuff? How do we find it? How do we label it consistently so that we can find it when we need to apply that legal hold? So again, you've got that same principle that's been around a long time. Don't destroy records that you might have to produce in court, but the application is different. So those are some of the key things, the key policies that we work with in organizations. One of the ones that has really come up in the past two years since the pandemic, since everybody went to working from home, is what about these records that are kind of created inadvertently based on the fact that we are now all working together in new ways? So if all your meetings used to be in person in a room, somebody might be taking notes, you'll produce meeting minutes or not, kind of depending on how formal the meeting is. And you might have meeting materials and you have a document that, you're, that you've created and that you capture as a record. Move that meeting into a video conference utility and all of a sudden you have the ability to record every single meeting. You capture people's names, faces, the audio and video files. You capture all of the material that's shared during the meeting. And there is, um, I'm going to call it just like this knee-jerk reaction from a lot of people that says, if we can record it, we should record it. What if we need to go back to it? What if somebody couldn't come to that meeting? What if they want to listen in on the video again, or we, or we, didn't, we don't want to take notes. We just want to go back to the recording. And it's shocking to me because when we were all doing meetings in rooms before, if you couldn't come to a meeting, you couldn't come to a meeting, <laughs> but every client that we've worked with in the past two years has had, has had to deal with this problem because people are just like, oh, we should, we should record this because we can. Well, you know what happens when you record meetings? 
you've got a whole bunch of new records that you have to deal with because you've created these records that you didn't use to create and they are part of your business process now. And you have to decide how long do we keep them? Do we keep them all for a flat amount of time um, or do we keep them for different amounts of time depending on the content of the meeting and how it aligns with your retention schedule? Do we keep the video recording, the audio recording, the chat, the Q&A, like all the different pieces? There's privacy considerations because you have the names and the images of the people who are participating, particularly if you have video recordings, video conference calls that involve people outside your organization, consultants or the public. And so this, oh, isn't this cool? We can record every meeting thing has turned into kind of a nightmare for the Office of General Counsel and these different companies trying to figure out the best way to respond. And so that's the biggest one, the one that's the most visible, but the sort of sideline to that is you also have chatting tools and collaboration environments where people are being very informal, chatting about things that would have been on the kind of hallway conversations and now it's recorded and people can say things, take things out of context and how long do you keep that? And if it's just an informal chat, can you get rid of that fast? But if it's in a more formal, you know, a more structured collaboration environment where you're also keeping files and doing document management functions like commenting or editing um, asynchronously with other team members, then that's a whole new set of records too. And all of these things, while they existed pre-pandemic, they've just exploded in terms of the usage and trying to come to the right balance in your policy of we want to support creativity, we want to support collaboration, be flexible, we want to make information available to people so that they can refer to it when they're moving on to the next step in their business process, but we also don't want to create headache for ourselves in terms of this uncontrolled set of recordings now and what do we do with them what if what if somebody said something inappropriate in a recording and it was snipped and taken out of context and the next thing you know it's out on twitter i mean things can happen so this is a case where old information governance policies never really contemplated the impact of this type of tool and now we have to figure out what to do. I'll tell you just from doing some podcast editing, you can take that recording and manipulate it in any way you want. You, you, you're right. You can take it and manipulate it. And so that becomes then an IT security concern too. It's not just an information governance question of what are our responsibilities legally toward this recording that we've created but IT security is saying, hey, this is a potential nightmare over here. So should we leave it on the cloud where it's, they're huge files. Should we leave them on the cloud because then at least it's in one place and it's not taking up room on the servers. On the other hand, it's also more vulnerable to breach. If we let people download it, then they could edit it inappropriately. And that could be a problem. So that is the final thing I want to say about the evolution of information governance policies is just like the data has become more intermingled, more connected, more integrated, and less discrete, concrete, easy to grab. 
so too your information governance policies need to be broadened. They need You need to think about these implications and the interactions of one set of policies to another. So IT security versus information governance. IT performance versus retention is a big tension in the world of policies. If you want to keep everything for a long time, but some of these files become very quickly huge, and IT is saying this is having a real drag on our performance here at our on, on our network. Things like meter monitoring or you know security cameras or surveillance, any kind of uh, monitoring like that grows very fast in 10 second, 15 second, 30 second, second increments. And what's the value there versus what's in your IT performance, what you want out of your IT performance to keep things humming along. So that's just a, we just touched lightly on a lot of questions around information governance here, but takeaways. The principles haven't changed. You're trying to protect and retain and make accessible the information that you need to run your business. And running your business includes complying with laws and meeting requirements for your stakeholders and everyone else. But your answers are changing rapidly based on the technology impact, the impact of technology on how we do business. And so partnering with IT with legal, with other parts of your organization to get to the right balance of, we have a policy that protects us, but it's a policy that we can actually work with. I think that was a good introduction to policy evolution and the impact on IT, as well as the impact information governance. So I think there's a lot more we could cover here. I didn't mention a couple policies that I'm sure we'll cover in other episodes. If you have any questions right now, please send us an email at info at trailblazer.us.com or look us up on the web at www.trailblazer.us.com. Thank you for listening and please tune in to our next episode. Also, if you like this episode, please be a champion and share it with people in your social media network. As always, we appreciate you, the listeners. Special thanks goes out to Jason Blake, who created our intro music. Thank you. <laughs>